Bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 137 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And tonight, joined. Hi, as always, George. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. And the other person we have doesn't matter because he's never on anymore. So, George, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm good. And, of course, I shouldn't say of course, but he's going to be making more regular appearances now. We're getting him back into the swing of things. It's January baseball. It's getting the baseball season. Zach is joining us again. The original crew's in the house. Uh, Zach, you can follow on Twitter at BrafZ. Zach, I do care how you're doing, buddy. Let's let's hear about it. How's everything going? The OGs are back. No, it's good to be back with you guys. Been taking a little hiatus, um, doing some construction in my house. We had some COVID scares in the family, and really, baseball was the last thing on my mind for a little while. But starting to get back into a few drafts, where our group techs are starting to ramp up with baseball stuff. So it's good to be back and and talking some baseball with you guys. How how have you guys been? It's been uh, you guys have been staying quite busy. I see. Yeah, George still can't yeah. share the news that I want him to share already. So that's we know it. You can't tell everybody though. So. But um, yeah, almost, almost, almost. We'll see. Uh, but no, it is it is good to be back. The three of us here. We were just talking before we started recording about you know how we're going into year three of this of, of bases loaded so uh to have you know the consistency of you know the three of us still here that's that's something man yeah no it's it's it blows my mind because there was times where it's like you know it's gone up and down but here we are still here still recording podcasts and tonight we're continuing with all those names that you brought us we i i did a solo pod for part one because again there was literally over 40 names tonight i think we have another 10 or 12 we're going to try to touch on and we're going to try to just kind of keep it going. However, before we get to those players, a quick reminder that the Bases Loaded podcast is part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. And with the Bases Loaded podcast continuing as part of the Rotoballer Radio Network, since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fan- fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bases Loaded Pod listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code Bases Loaded. That's Bases Loaded, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer Draft Kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, and more than 300 2021 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED and get your draft kit today. News and notes. My news and notes section is all jacked up because we had a trade happen right before we started. And don't know all the details in terms of prospects. However, I do know that your buddy, your boy, Steven Matz, guy you hold near and dear to your heart, Zach, going from the Mets over to the Blue Jays. <laughs> What are your thoughts on this? Are you, is there any fantasy relevance at all, guys? I think the quick answer is no here. I don't think there's a, a ton of relevance. I mean, Steven Matz, he's probably going to be in competition for the fifth starter job with Toronto. I think the change of scenery 
will do him well. Um, clearly struggled the past few years with the Mets. So it, it'll be good for him to maybe get another opportunity. And in terms of the prospects that the Mets got back, um, I'm surprised they got anything back, to be honest. I didn't even know if they were going to get a, a bag of baseballs back for Mets. Uh, I thought it was purely a salary dump. But it sounds, like got, bias. sounds like your bias is kicking in a little bit here. Eh, would that ever happen with me? I don't know. About no, that. never. That's why we have no. two Mets to start off the night. But anyway. They got they got three prospects back. Two of them were top thirty guys in the Blue Jays system, and one of them is Sean Reed Foley, who was uh, a decent prospect a few years ago. He's kind of been demoted to the bullpen, but just a good depth arm. But in terms of fantasy relevance, I don't think anything crazy that the Mets got. But maybe Mats could be a, a deep league dart throw um, if you're looking for starting pitching. A streaming type, I get it. I'm not gonna again. We're not gonna harp on that. We're gonna move right on to the Giants stuff because I thought the Giants stuff was more more interesting. And we have George here, the Giants fan. This is not a biased yeah. podcast. It just happens to work out this way. But George, <laughs> the Giants are in on um, Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Bradley, uh, Jackie Bradley. I would assume, obviously. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on which they sign? I mean, what's going on here? They, I mean, it's interesting. Well. They they added Tom Listell. They are looking for another left-handed bat, so uh, that's where you know Bradley, Jock, and uh, Rosario would come in. But it seems to me like they're just trying to be the Tampa Bay Rays of the West. You know, you're gonna have platoons up and down the lineup. So I don't know. I mean, if any of these guys sign hitting left-handed in Oracle Park, like it's not easy to hit the balls out into the cove, like. There's a reason why most of those splash hits belong to Barry Bonds. So uh, it wouldn't excite me too much uh, from you know from you know perspective, fantasy perspective uh, for any of those three really. Um, and like I said, you just don't know who's going to get the everyday at bats. I would imagine someone like Eddie Rosario would play every day. Um, maybe Jackie Bradley splits time with uh, Mauricio Dubon in center field. Maybe they platoon there. Maybe Jock Peterson. Uh, who knows? I, I have no idea, but. Yeah, it just, just seems like they are going to just try to piece everything together and try to be the Rays of the West. That doesn't sound good for Mauricio Dubon, that's for sure. Which is unfortunate because I'm a Dubon guy. But you mentioned they recently signed Listella. We can move on from that. You're, but Hey, we'll stick with you. You're a Simeon guy. He signed with the Jays. That's like perfect, right? Except for where does he hit? We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. So love the move for Simeon. It looks like he will be playing second base. So... He should pick up that second base eligibility and have that dual second base shortstop. I, I mean, I really like it. You see what they're putting together there. They just added George Springer. Uh, Simeon right now is projected to lead off. I could see him. I mean, sorry, Simeon's projected to hit second. And I could see him there hitting second versus lefties and maybe Biggio hitting second versus righties. But other than that, I, I mean, I think he he should be in that top third of the of the lineup. So. Definitely like the move for Simeon. He's getting out of Oakland, which, I mean, Oakland might be the the hardest, you know, the toughest hitters park um, in the league. So I re- really definitely like the move for Simeon. You're going to see his draft price shoot up big time. Like he's going to, he's been going like around 140, 150. You're going to see him approach that top 100 pick. Probably. I'd say closer to 120. There's just so much around there right now. But, and with shortstop being kind of deeper. Regardless, though, I think it's a great move for him. However, it's just they're, the Jays are frustrating with their with their potential with their lineup. I mean, but we also have seen Simeon hit towards like that six hole before as well. And you mentioned up and down, and I just don't know. And then, of course, Vlad is said to get a chance at third base. I think that's just them being nice. Does anybody think there's a legit shot he wins third base? 
or they're just going to be nice because they, they made all these moves. It doesn't make sense to keep them anywhere but first base. I mean, it's possible he gets some time at third. Um, I mean, they have a lot of guys that can move around. You got Telez, who might see some time at first base. Maybe we put Vlad at third base then. Uh, if Biggio's playing third base, you have Vlad at first. I mean, they have some guys that are are flexible. So it's good to have that roster flex- flexibility. But I think for the most part, you see Vlad at first and, and DH. But for fantasy purposes, I mean, he may get some starts at third base and might get some eligibility, which would be a nice boost. Can we just take a moment of silence for Rowdy Telez, please? <laughs> That's George's guy right there. Mine too, but George, like George and I have been on him since like Ugh. September, October. Man. <laughs> and this is why people will tell you don't draft early because of what just happened to us. Yeah, we're definitely a bummer for Telez. It looks like maybe he's going to platoon at the DH spot with someone like Randall Gritchick. That's kind of the best that we're hoping for right now, right? <laughs> uh, until there is a trade, which I mean... There's I thought like tonight, tonight uh, one for one would have made like I, I would have been. I, I'm surprised they didn't do that. Although the Mets don't need another left-handed bat that can't play the field. They don't somebody, need another somebody bat. Somebody tweeted it out. I, I, it might have been Matt Williams uh, proposing like a Grichik for Matt swap, which was interesting because Grichik does play center field, right-handed bat, but and he's a really good glove, I, I believe. Yeah, he's got a good glove, but I think he's making a little bit more. He's making like double what Matt's is making. I don't think they wanted to take on that money. It would have been interesting, but I think Grichik is a piece that could be moved. Um, I, just don't, I just don't think he really fits in all that great in that lineup. I think the other guys deserve more playing time, but they definitely could move somebody for starting pitching still. Can we take a moment and just laugh at the Indians? For now, I don't understand what's going on here with the Indians. They signed. I love what what they did. Well, here's the thing: they signed Cesar Hernandez after trading for Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. We assume, as of right now, Jimenez is probably going to start the year in the minors so they can get that service time on him. And now, apparently, there are reports that they might be fielding offers from Ahmed Rosario. I don't understand. None of this makes sense to me. Rosario is not even expensive. He's like he's making two million dollars basically. Like, how are the Indians allowed to be this cheap? Just same with the Pirates. They're cutting salary that makes no sense to cut. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, the Indians also have, joke. like, 15 middle infielders coming up in the minor yeah. leagues, right? <laughs> that is true, too. It's a, it's, a, it's a joke. And I feel bad for Indians fans because all you do is literally bring on talent and then you trade away before you even see what you got in it. And it's like, I don't understand what they're doing. Jose Ramirez, I'm surprised they haven't tried pulling in a haul for him, unless they are. I mean, if you believe in Dan Clark, which nobody should believe in Dan Clark, um, he's 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 the one reporting about the Braves or something being in on them, right? All right. Uh, this one I worded awkwardly, but we're going to go with it. Wong's market is heating up. Colton Wong has interest from multiple teams, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Phillies, the Rays, the Mariners. Of those teams, the Mariners would really hurt Dylan Moore because of the whole second base situation. You got to think Wong would play there. And the Rays, mm-hmm. gosh, this feels like a very Rays move. So this would just really frustrate me, all of us with as a raise as raise people that we want to roster on the raise, you know, even Joey Wendell, who had some relevance in deeper formats would take a hit. You have Brandon Lau, you got to think would probably move to the outfield, maybe like I don't understand what they're doing there. Plus, they have Wander coming up, Bruhan, Josh Lowe. They have parts in the minors that are really ready to come up. I'm going to get off this rant. We're going to move on to the Reds and Phillies, focusing on Didi. Didi Gregorius going to either of those parks is fantastic. We saw what he could do in, in Philadelphia. Not going to harp on that one either. Anderson Simmons, not sure how fantasy relevant this is for them. However, he signed with the Twins. That is a plus for their pitching staff, if anything else, right? It's 
definitely going to help up the middle with that defense. I mean, you got Buxton in center as well. Simmons at short. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great uh, a healthy, news. A healthy Josh Donaldson. If, if Josh Donaldson is healthy, Josh Donaldson. If Josh Donaldson is healthy, I can't speak tonight. Then you have a really solid left side of that infield. And then right now, Luis Arias is – right, they're, they're, right now they have Luis Arias at DH. But you got to think they signed somebody for DH. And then they have Planko at second who should be healthy because he was playing hurt all last year. That I still think get... the hopes are that Nelly Cruz comes back to play DH. It sounds like yeah, Cruz I is waiting so. for that NL to see what they're doing with the DH because that opens up his potential for, in terms of getting paid and his um, overall just his options. Yeah, we'll probably uh, see Arias uh, give Donaldson some time off at third base. Does he have the arm for third base? Though? I know he played third base in 2019, or at least I think he did. I just don't remember his uh, how his defense held up there. And I know Anderson Simmons will help cover up that what could be a, an issue, but... Brewers continue listening to trade talks on Hater. Really, again, we're doing this again. The closing, the closer situation in fantasy already is a mess. If Hater goes to a contender who has somebody in place, now we just lost another closer and we gain whoever's next up in the Brewer system. Like, do you have any idea who the next guy up would be for the Brewers anyway, George? As the RP I guy, mean, you gotta you gotta imagine it's Devin Williams for sure. Uh, he, I, I, you know what? It should be. That makes the most sense. I said that with reluctance because I figured they'd want to keep him in that role again. Because, but then again, I said the same thing about Hater. I figured they'd want to keep Hater in that, you know, that that setup role slash multi inning role, and they didn't. So Devin Williams obviously makes the most sense. But do you think there's a chance that Devin Williams stays where they where they right there, and then they kind of play a different way, or Freddie Peralta maybe? even get a chance no i i think i I think freddie peralta fits really well in that like swingman long reliever role Mm -hmm. uh especially since he like added that curveball i i I don't see him moving up like i I think he's peralta is definitely capable of pitching multiple innings so i think there would keep him like as that swingman long reliever um which i really like him in. i like i like him in that role a a lot i i do think it would be williams i I just don't not really else there yeah I was trying. I looked up their. I looked, I looked up the roster resource page, and I realized Williams. I'm like, well, maybe no, maybe no. And I'm like, Peralta, only name that makes sense. I could push Williams. And again, that was just me thinking that they wanted to keep Williams in that role because he was so valuable there. But again, they showed a willingness to move Hater as a, to a closer spot when none of us thought that was going to be a full time thing, and it turned out to be one. So obviously, you got to think that they would do the same thing to uh, to uh, Devin Williams and turn around and probably sell De- uh, uh, sell off Devin Williams as well. All right, that's the news and notes, fantasy impact and all that. Let's get to the ADP or the the ADP, the names. Sorry, my notes show ADP since January 1st. So that is good to know. We are looking at ADP since January 1st of this year, and we are talking about the names you brought us. Right now, it looks like the first three names on this list are all first basemen. Luke Voigt, Pete Alonzo, those two are going back-to-back at at the first base ranks. One's going just, what, 56.60 on Pete Alonzo. Luke Voigt's going 62.07. The fifth and sixth first baseman off the board. We'll get to Dominic Smith in a little bit. Zach, which one would you draft first? Because that's a relative. That's a real choice you'd have to make if you were drafting. Or do you not want either at their cost? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I feel like last year, first base uh, was definitely more shallow. I feel like we actually have quite a bit of guys at first base this year that I would be pretty satisfied with taking. Um, I mean, Alonzo was... <sighs> Alonzo was probably what, like a second, second, third rounder and going into 2020. I think he was like a third rounder for a little bit and then moved down a little bit. It's like fourth or fifth at most, but was still relatively not. He wasn't much farther up than this. I'll tell you that 
his ADP creeped right back up to where it was last year, essentially. Yeah, I mean, he's about 56 right now. The minimum pick for Alonzo's 41, max is 79. I like the max. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I'm more comfortable with, with the max pick for him, probably in like the 70, 75 range. I feel comfortable with Alonzo. 50s, just, it feels high. Um, I'm... I'm a believer. Uh, I, I haven't dove too much into 2020 stuff yet, not as much as you guys have. But um, there's a lot of guys that I'm willing to write off on on 2024. And Alonzo, I, I think pitchers really just kind of figured him out a little bit. I think if we did have a full season, I think he would have made some second half adjustments. Um, he did start coming on strong uh, like the last week of the season. It's just it was way too late at that point. But, I mean, I think you're looking at like a 240, 250 hitter. Uh, 40 homers, 100 RBIs, and I mean, that that's what you're getting out of him. I mean, I don't think you're getting that 260 average. I mean, he started off really strong in 2019. Uh, I think he was uh, around like 280 for a good chunk of the year, and then he just tailed off towards the end. I don't think that's the type of player he is. I think you're looking at maybe 250 hitter. Uh, he still was hitting the, the ball as hard as ever last year. Um, I don't think that's the issue. I really just think pitchers kind of figured him out, uh, gave him a lot of breaking balls, off-speed pitches, and uh, I think he's going to rebound. I think he had a little bit of a sophomore slump. Like I said, I think if there was a full season, I think he would have turned it around. So I, I feel comfortable taking Alonzo in 2021. I still think top 50 might be a little too high for me. I think I'm more comfortable in like the 70-ish range so you mentioned the final week there was like a 23 game sample to end 2020 for Pete Alonso where he hit 256 so you mentioned two, a 250 hitter with 10 home runs we also saw the strikeout rate dip over that same span to 22.1 percent which was the lowest of any month that season which you know take it for what's worth was there like two and a half months <laughs> but yeah. he also cut down on the walks which suggests he may have been more aggressive for that final push and could have been what catapulted the late season run it sounds like I'm reading off a script because I am. These are my notes. <laughs> I mean, his his numbers from 2019 to 2020, like in terms of K rate, walk rate, really didn't change that much. He was pretty but consistent. That's, that's because of that late like that that last little stretch. Like he kind of corrected. Like you mentioned, he was yeah. correcting. But remember, the, the the downfall started essentially in the second half of 2019 after that crazy like 270, 280 first half and. Just the power never stops. So because he has a really good barrel skill, like it's a skill of his at this point. Fifteen point eight percent in twenty nineteen, twelve point eight percent in twenty twenty, and having the skill to barrel the ball up consistently will always help the power shine through, regardless of uh, how the production as a whole looks. So yeah, you're right. I, I kind of see a similar projection though. Two fifty ish hitter, hundred RBIs, thirty five plus home runs. Because didn't they put one of those? Um, help me with the name of that thing is the humidor. The humidor. They put a humidor in there without telling anybody. If I remember, like, wasn't that one of the things that popped up randomly yeah. in the middle of the season? Like, oh, by the way, now let's have a yeah. humidor. What? Yeah. I mean, he still Every- hit 16 home runs and 239 play yeah, appearances. No. I-, I think what we pretty much saw in 2020 from Pete Alonso was like his floor, right? I mean, he has a, a slightly better, like, around league average zone contact rate, which is fantastic for a power hitter like. Alonzo like you like to see that uh, a league average zone contact rate the strikeout rates not like absurd I mean 25% it was 26% in 2019 uh, 10% walker like everything else looks pretty consistent the BABIP was down to 242 I I think what we essentially saw from last year was his floor which is a 230 hitter and still a ton of power so I actually really like Alonzo where he's going right now um, especially you know filling that first base uh, position you lock up you know 40 home runs and yeah 250 average and 
the, that lineup, you know, you know, it's getting stronger. You like that lineup. 100 RBI is definitely in the card. So uh, I actually really like Alonzo where he's going. So you think now, basically 2020, 2020 is the floor for him and 2019 is the ceiling of Alonzo. So we're expecting hopefully something in the middle of these. We've all said really long ways of saying he's a 250, 35 <laughs> to 40 home run hitter with, with 100 RBI potential. We've all said that yes. in a very long, long breath. So, yes, that's what we think of Pete Alonzo this year. We could go on longer if you want. No, because we're going to talk about Luke Voigt, which is going to take just as long because George, uh, George, you have to make this decision. Are you taking Pete Alonso over Luke Voigt? No, I'm taking Luke Voigt. Of course you are. Shocker. <laughs> but, okay, the only real issue I see, like the, the profile is interesting. He was more aggressive this year, and it played to his strengths in terms of just being a better, you know, big-time power hitter in New York, et cetera, et cetera. The health. He played through what, another injury. I forgot what the injury was. We played through another injury this year. It was a plantar, plantar fasciitis in the playoffs or something. And, it might have um, been. It was something like that. And it's like, dude, the guy just can't stay healthy. At, at what point do you bake that into this in terms of avoiding void, avoid, avoiding void, like avoiding? That's gonna, that's the thing now. Avoiding. Dad jokes are back. Thanks. <laughs> that should Zach. be the title of an article. Avoiding. I mean, yeah. re- relative to everyone's cost and I mean, at first base, like I, I think. Luke Voigt is one of your like what you how you would say like a Goldilocks, right? Like I think he's eighty. <laughs> I think his ADP is just right. I mean, uh, for like after you get past like Fre- uh, Freeman, Bellinger, and um, Abreu, I mean, I think Luke Voigt definitely has the most upside here because like any one of these guys, like Matt Olson, Pete Alonso, uh, I mean. You're kind of looking at the same profile, you know, high power, lots of strikeouts, low average. But Luke Voigt, I mean, he's been good. Like, he has a track record now. Like, he has a track record dating back to the minor leagues of being a good hitter uh, with extreme line drive rates. Like, he he hits a ton of line drives, which is why, you know, he hits the ball hard. He hits a lot of line drives. You see, like, the averages, you know, good averages from from, uh, Luke Voigt. And in that ballpark, I mean, I, I think he has just tremendous potential Maybe he doesn't repeat exactly what he did, you know, the pace he was on uh, last year. I mean, that'd be pretty ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I mean, a 270 hitter with, you know, 35-plus home runs, like, you don't see, like, Alonzo or Olsen hitting those marks. Like, no. So I, I really like Luke Voigt. I mean, he the only times he struggled is his first cup of coffee in the majors and then in what was it 20 2019 uh when he got off to the really good start and then he was he hurt he had like a core uh core muscle injury and just didn't come back the same right so i mean two circumstances that you can really like easily explain like why he would struggle so uh, i mean other than that he's just been a tremendous hitter just all the way around so i mean and you take into account that lineup the park the division yeah i'm a really big luke boy fan it's just, for me, it's all about health. And anytime you see somebody end the season with PRP injections, no matter where it's at, that's a reason for, like, to be a little cautious coming into the next year. Luke Voigt had the PRP injections in his foot. I found my, again, found my notes. Um, <laughs> for those listening, I, I wrote, whole, I wrote like, upwards of, like, 250-player outlooks. And you're getting a quick little glimpse into what I'm writing in these in the draft kit if you're planning on purchasing it. So there we go. Quick little plug for the SP Streamer draft kit. And the hours of work I put into it, which I, do, I I loved it and loathed it at the same time. No one cares about that. We can move on. Um, <laughs> Dominic Smith, going back to the Mets, this is why I'm afraid of P. Alonso. Like, you know, Voight has his issues with his, with injury history. The Mets have their issue with just 
wanting to replace Smith in the outfield, which then potentially sets up Smith and Alonzo in a in a platoon. Zach, you you keep very close tabs on your Mets. Do you think they signed a JBJ or somebody else to take a corner outfield spot, thus thrusting this terrible, terrible D? Uh, without again, there's no DH either, so the Mets could like without a DH, the Mets could be very screwed. Yeah, DH is crucial for. I mean, the Mets are probably one of the biggest teams that the DH rule would affect. Um, I think it's very possible that they go out and sign somebody like JBJ, or if they don't, then you could be looking at a guy like. Albert Almora, who I'm really not too concerned with. Um, <laughs> it's possible Nimmo ends up in center field, and you see Dom maybe getting majority of left field reps, but I, I really think they probably get somebody um, for center field. I think JBJ is really the most logical choice there. And then it's kind of going to be a little timeshare with Dom at first. Uh, Sandy Alderson really just doesn't like Dom in left field. He's just he's a liability out there in left field. Um, so I think we're going to see... A mixture of Dom at first base a few times a week and then left field. Honestly, though, I, I really think that the DH will be back in the NL. So I don't think this is going to be a huge issue. Um, if DH is back in the NL, I think Dom will be getting everyday reps. I mean, he's probably he's going to hit his way into the lineup regardless. But um, Dom Smith is definitely a person I'm eyeing this year in drafts. I mean, 107, he, he flew up the ranks. I mean, he was basically... Uh, a waiver wire ad last year and now you're looking at a top 100 guy it might be a little a little high for a lot of people's likings especially with the playing time concerns but he's just he's been a fantastic hitter throughout his entire minor league career going into the big leagues here he's actually a really good uh usually you see guys kind of dominate the fastball but he's actually a really good breaking ball off speed hitter as well hit 388 off breaking pitches last year and 350 over 350 on off speed pitches so he really if, if he can start hitting the fastball as well i mean you're looking at i mean he's already going to be a 300 probably 300 hitter um but i mean this is a guy that could possibly contend for batting titles if he does get consistent playing time. I mean, he's been a 300 hitter throughout his entire career. So the pop may not be there. He may not be like a 30 home run guy. He may be looking at like a 20, 25 home run type guy. But the average is there. The on-base skills are there. Um, I think he's a, a great value this year. And he brings, especially if you're playing in leagues that have uh, corner out, corner infield eligibility along with outfield eligibility i mean the, the multi-positional eligibility that dom brings to the table is huge as well and i love that uh flexibility that he brings to the table so love me some dom this year although top 100 picks seems a little risky with uh especially if you're drafting early and we don't know about the dh but i'm confident that it, it'll be back so george anything Looks to add to that man <laughs> Uh, no, no, I think, um, I think we got enough from our insider, our Mets insider here. Yeah, you can tell he feels passionate about this, but he's also... Stop talking about the Mets already, Jesus. Well, (laughs) they were, this, listen, we, we are, Twitter gave us players, we provide analysis. Your analysis is just very, very pro-Mets usually right now. (laughs) And I mean... We're just giving the people what they want. Yeah, I don't want Tom Smith until we know there's a DH. (laughs) I'll tell you that. I just there's a lot to like in the profile. He made he made a mechanical change, launch angle changed with it. It was uh, he lowered it actually to 10.8 degrees. Came an increase of barrel rate, sweet spot percentage, hard hit rate, pretty much all across the board. He just upped his quality of contact. And you mentioned he is a first round, a former first round pick. So the the pedigree is there too. I like him. I think there's a solid floor there. I'm just more so 
Like I'm waiting to see what the hell they do over in New York. And there are some reasons to, to be a little skeptical of the batting average because he's, his willingness to chase and there is some swing and miss in his game. He had worse than league average whiff rates, swing strike rates, and he was his willingness to chase outside the zone with an O swing rate of 37.1%. So basically, it's a fancy way of saying that he was willing he was willing to chase the ball outside the zone and he also swung through a little bit too much. However, he obviously made good enough contact to make to make up for it. Regardless, there is some. There are a few minor red flags and then the playing time concerns. I just want to put a little wet blanket on your on your Dom love. We can move on Appreciate to Mondesi. That. Alberto Mondesi, the bane of my existence, and I will never be right about him, and I'm okay with that. ADP of 23.57, the fifth shortstop off the board. Zach, I haven't heard your thoughts on Mondesi, so let's have him, buddy. I mean, just off the top of my head, I, I am a pro Mondesi guy. Uh, <sighs> had Mondesi in a league last year, and he hands down won me that league. Yeah, but you almost dropped him. Tell me you didn't almost drop him multiple times. Six weeks. I, I was not. right. I was right for six weeks, <laughs> damn it. Different I was right if for it, six weeks. If it was a redraft league, then may have been different. But this was a keeper league. Oh, that, No, it doesn't count. You're not going to drop him in a keeper league. That's what I'm saying. Held on to him. In a redraft league, you know how many people dropped him and, were like, yeah. and then lost their league because of it? And then somebody picked them up and probably won it for him. Yeah, he's a terrible, he's a terrible, terrible fantasy asset. Listen, he's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure everybody has a piece on on Mondesi. He's gonna I'm go, go. He's gonna clearly you're not. He's gonna go through rough stretches. There's gonna be some some, some tough tough weeks for Mondesi, but I think there's gonna be also some months where he just goes on an absolute tear. And the home runs will be there. The average will be respectable. And all while this is happening throughout the season, he's going to put up consistent stolen base numbers. Um, I'm on board. I, I know he's a very polarizing name in the fantasy community. But, um, I mean, it depends. I mean, Roto Leagues, I'm, I'm very much in on him. Pretty much any other format, I'm probably out. But um, you just got to love what he brings to the table. There's really nobody else out there uh other than maybe trey turner but you're gonna get some better quality numbers um from trey but uh, i speak and a higher floor yeah i say trey like we're we're best buds here on yeah. first basis yeah. but i am a, a mondesi supporter although 25 what is it 23 adp over the past month that seems it seems rather high you have to remember though nfbc formats do have overall competition so that pushes his adp up that's why i did make it clear on the last podcast and i'll say it again that once we get some yahoo ranks and adp in some espn ranks and adp we'll revisit those see where we can find the you know the what we perceive as values in those formats because the adp will be different the ranks will be different these are high stakes 15 team leagues so this is the adp data we have and Monesty might be someone that goes closer to 35 or 40 in a 12 teamer just because you know the skill set isn't as needed in shallower formats. And then for me, even I'm in at that price type of thing. Like it's just I can't. He's so volatile. If Roto is the only format I will draft him. I will admit yeah. that. But I can't take him at his current ADP if this is what's going to stick across all formats. I just can't. I understand he's a lottery ticket, but we also saw them have a willingness to move him down the lineup real quick last year when he wasn't performing. He had to hit his way, he had to hit his way back up. And this year. He can hit his way right back down. And the lineup around him is better. And they have more people to put up at the top. They have Carlos Santana now. They have a healthy Solaire. You know, they, they have a healthy Sal. Which, yeah, I wish. Yeah. Franchi is going to be good, but he's going to be at the bottom <laughs> of the lineup. But it's actually he, a pretty good looking lineup. Yes. And honestly, with, with Carlos Santana, 
with Carlos Santana, there's a chance that Santana bats second. That pushes Mondesi down to fifth or later. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I honestly think it should. Mondesi's value in part hinges on his, him being at the top of the lineup. So there's just so many ways. There's so many paths to the production coming up short at his ADP. That is what keeps me out on him. But I know, and his, he's atrocious plate discipline. I know the the probably the fastest guy in the majors, elite, elite, elite sprint speed. That's what helps him overperform his his peripherals. I get that. I'm willfully ignoring it and saying I'm just out. I can't do it. Modesty is just he's a guy. I he's he's the guy. Nine times out of ten, I'm right on. Does, does mean, that make sense? Like yeah, it, it makes yeah, sense. So go ahead, George. I'll try my next. We we can I mean uh, oh no we're gonna we, talk about him a few more times this offseason. like I can't. right yeah we talked about him in the shortstop preview and basically you're right I mean like Roto's the only format that you're gonna be comfortable taking him in because he is so volatile he's going to move up and down the lineup but they're not gonna take him out you know you know they're not gonna about, take him out of the lineup. What if Witt so. comes up this year though? Nah, Bobby Wood Jr. Probably yeah, he, I, think, I think he's another year away anyway. Yeah, and modesty shifts to second base probably. He's what if just, they sign Colt someone... Wong? <laughs> there was talks <laughs> about that. That's why I asked. I said that. You have to, I mean, if you're planning to take Mondesi in a Roto League, like I, I mentioned this in the short side preview, like you have to take uh, like a Mike Trout or a uh, Juan Soto or a Freddie Freeman, or you have to make sure you grab like a DJ LeMahieu like right after, right? Like he's one of those guys that you need to, uh, you know, back up with some solid average hitters. You mentioned about Mondesi being dropped down in the lineup. Like, yeah, that's not ideal. Obviously, we would like for him to be at the top of the lineup for for that production. But when he was dropped down, I mean, he actually performed a lot better. Um, He was in the sixth slot for a little bit. He had over 417 plate appearances. He had 278 out of the eighth hole, uh, had 40 plate appearances. So, I mean, even if he does get dropped down a little bit, I still think the stolen base numbers are going to be there. And, I mean, if that improves his average, kind of relaxes him a little bit, it's not the end of the world, I don't think. It's the end of my world. Your world is already over, so it doesn't matter. I will never never draft him confidently, and him as in – Mondesi. We can move on from Mondesi. Another guy we talked about recently on a tangent <laughs> during short stops was Mike Trout. And because uh, we were talking about what? Trey Turner. <laughs> on the shortstop tangent? Because <laughs> well, we were talking about top of the uh, draft because you have Tatis going yeah. to the top three and then, we're talking about so- and then turning to Soto and then turning to Mike Trout. So, Zach, you're the only one we haven't heard about in terms of Mike Trout. Right. Are there any concerns there? He's going ADP 5.75. This is the lowest he's gone since I've played fantasy baseball, I feel like. Yeah, that definitely is the lowest. I mean, I'm really not concerned about his overall skill set at all. Um, the only thing, I mean, that I would agree with that number dropping him down in ADP is uh, depending on what type of format you're in. I mean, the stolen bases are probably going to take a hit, but I still think it's a pretty safe bet that you could expect at least 10 stolen bases in a full season from Trout. And if that's the case, I'm 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 fine with taking him early in the top five because the other stats are going to be there. Uh, he's going to give you the average. He's got the power. He's going to score runs, knock him in. I mean, he's going to give you everything. He's a five-category producer, um, four-category producer with the possibility of the stolen bases. I mean, Joe Madden is known for really not running too much. But I, I think that's really the only reason he's fallen and depending on the format, I mean, if you're in a points league, I'm still taking Trout. Um, Number one hitter. Yeah, Except for I'm George. Taking, George still wants Soto. I think it's top two. Yeah, I'm, Soto. Still, I'm taking Soto. Yeah. I can't Soto do it. I can't take anybody with a 50-something percent ground ball rate ahead of Trout. 
two out of three years he's done it, and Soto has performed in spite of it. I get that, but that that's like the that's the tiebreaker for me. Sure, Soto has imagine if he probably imagine if he lowers that ground ball rate. Well, though actually, it's funny. The one year he did, it was like 40, it was like forty something percent, and he hit like two eighty. He hit for his lowest batting average of his three years with the lowest yeah. ground ball rate. So it makes no sense. It blew my mind when I saw that today. So it's yeah. like it, it didn't fit my it didn't fit my narrative. I didn't want to say it. No, but um, it also with just... Soto and Trout, like you're trading off a little bit of power uh, for average because I do trust Soto's batting average. Um, a lot more at this point. I think if you notice just over the last two years, uh, Trout has really gone very fly ball heavy. And you see that difference in the BABIP, you know, the, the higher fl- fly ball rate you have, the lower uh, your BABIP's going to be. And you see that, you know, he was in the, you know, 340s, 370s, you, you're seeing like his BABIPs. Uh, and then two years ago, it drops down to 298 and then again, 300 um, in 2020. So, and, and that coincides with just the, the big like extreme fly ball rates. So, I mean, as far as like, yeah, I think you're just trading off a little bit of batting average um, for some power between Soto and, and Trout. But I, I do think Soto, he has shown over the last two years that he's going to run a bit too. So, yeah. Which is yeah, crazy. Like like, if, if you, well, yeah, if you look at the two in terms of speed alone, one's 94th percentile strength speed. The other one's like 33 or something. So I remember Soto. <laughs> and it's just, it goes to show you that you can't look at that for, for stolen bases. You have to look at success rate. You have to look at efficiency. Soto is super efficient on the base paths. He'll get you 12 to 15 bags. So that's fine. I just don't think Trout's done running. I think it was just more of a, the Angels were in a lost season. They didn't so they decided not to run their guys more than anything else. Like I think, I think Trout's still going to get his 10. And I'm willing to take what I think could be a higher home run uh, ceiling and with Lola's batting average. I don't know. I just I see them as one A one B in terms of or I, I had them I think fourth and fifth in my ranks. I think overall I have to look, but they're both they're back to back and I it's for so me I know Trout or four so five Trout, in your ranks something like that. Yeah, in my in deeper leagues I, I actually tweeted way 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 a uh, long time ago that Trout is number one in anything shallower than a fifteen teamer for me because so you can any... get Trout with anything. You can get Trout first overall knowing what you're gonna get. You can mm-hmm. argue, you can argue Soto number one or number two overall as well. But you take Trout regardless of stolen bases. You know you're getting you're getting Arenado at the very least, essentially in this profile. And Arenado has been top five pick, top six pick up until this year, pretty much or last year, pretty much what most of his career. And Trout still offers that, so you know you're getting an Arenado type at the very least. But there's still a chance for I still think there's going to be double digit stolen bases. But but you're getting any- that. Go ahead. I was going to say, is there any format that you would take Trout number one overall? We were talking about yeah. points, but is there any other format? Um, any, I mean, obviously, I, if you're in a deep... anything, anything shallower than a 15, I don't mind. I was I was saying it in a very long way, but I was saying <laughs> that Mike Trout would be a guy that I would uh, consider first overall in a 12 teamer because I know on, I know on the way back it's a shallower format. I can pair him with an Ozzy Albies, or according to this ADP, I could pair him with a Mondesi in a 12 teamer. That's I that's ideal. That's like a perfect one two combo. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of the mocks and stuff that I've done in some of the fifteen team leagues that I've drafted so far, I agree. You really kind of want to lock in the stolen bases a little bit earlier if you can. But and Mike Trout's Trout, getting overlooked because of that. And Mike Trout's falling to like five to seven range. And people like all you have to do is reach a little bit on Mondesi. Mondesi's ADP is what? Uh twenty three point five seven. If you have say you get trout at the five spot. That's going to put him in, and he might not fall there. You have to get Trout a little later, actually. But then, fine, go ahead and reach for a guy, another guy on this list, and Kyle Tucker. We'll talk about him in a moment. But um, Ozzy Albies, that's another guy. The Starling Marte, you can get in the third round. 
My point is, is there's stolen bases. There's just not elite stolen bases to get. And that's the thing. People are overvaluing these elite stolen bases, forgetting that there's solid 20 stolen base guys in the second and third round still. And you don't have to get your 50 stolen base guy in the first two rounds because guess what? There's only going to be one or two of them at most in a season it's probably gonna be Trey Turner and Montessi the rest of them are are 20 to 30 home uh, 20 stone base guys at most usually Albies will give you close to 20 maybe closer to 15 Marte gives you about 20 and then after that it's kind of like what Andrew uh, Tim Anderson gives you about 20 you see what I'm saying there's only so many elite stone base guys so why not just chip away at steals elsewhere while securing what you can with Mike Trout in the first round so yeah. in, in my opinion anything shallower than 15 you I think you can get away with avoiding steals with your first pick and take a trout knowing what you're going to get bank that production knowing you can get steals in the second and third and a starting pitcher as well like you can go trout sp uh steals because ozzy obbies or or starting more table fall or vice versa it's all about roster construction though you got to know your league so much, so much. yeah and it's really <laughs> and it's just rapid and real quick about mike trout the thing about the stolen bases people are overly concerned i think because if you, i think it goes back i I, I wish i had the notes in front of me of course i don't when i need them um Trout stole t- before last year. St- Trout, I stout. Stout. Trout is stout. He stole double-digit bags going back all the way to 2012. Every season from 2012, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight years prior to last year, he stole at least 11 stolen bases, and he still has the same skill set, the, s- the same, the same potential. And in three of those years, he played less than 140 games or less. So even while not healthy, he posted 114 was the lowest amount of games he played in his career and he still put up 33 and 22 in that year the next uh, the next like it's crazy what he does the floor is absurd what, what he can do even while missing time nobody else i think can do that i think soto's on his way there i just i'm willing to take mike trout at least one more year over soto can't believe i can't believe like one of the arg- biggest arguments of the year is who you're taking in the first round because the fir- your first round pick none, none of these guys are going to sink you but i've i've come into my biggest arguments and discussion points based on this first round who to take in the first five it shouldn't be that way. It's, it's crazy. Just take who you want, period. And none of them should burn <laughs> you. Now there's higher risk guys. I think I, and right now we're talking about two of the safest guys in all of fantasy. Mookie Betts could be plugged into that safe bet. But like Tatis is very risky. I think Tatis has a lot more volatility. Acuna, the batting average has some volatility because of, of his strikeout issues. Like those are two guys that are going on average before both of these guys, Soto and Trout. And there's definitely an argument to be made for them because they just don't offer the same level of floor, but they have the flashy ceiling in terms of power and speed. Yeah, I'd even throw Trey Turner in there too. And I love Trey Turner too. But Trey Turner offers that little that that odd like the high floor, but just not as high as a Trout and Soto. But then the ceiling in terms of stolen bases being higher. But again, it goes back to format. Fifteens, I I would put him in there. Anything shallower, he would still be outside for me. Yeah, it'd be easier to make up the speed as you go. And but. that's why, and you have to remember, like, we all, especially, like, the, the more we play fantasy baseball, we get into these deeper leagues. And in deeper leagues comes this deeper league thinking. And we forget all about the shallow league people, which, like, like we've, we've seen polls. Majority of people listening, majority of players playing, playing 12-team leagues or shallower. So I try to cover everything. That's why today the Trout rant, the tangent time with Mike today <laughs> – was about Mike Trout because depending on your format, depending on your league size, depends on how you should draft Mike Trout. It's honestly that simple. And I wanted to make sure I made that very, very clear. We can move on now. Kyle Tucker, as I mentioned. <laughs> Eighth outfielder off the board, 31.27 on average. Is that too rich for your bloods? I keep calling I, I keep going Zach. I'm gonna go with George. George, is that too rich for your blood? <laughs> what do you think? What do you no, think? About- I I actually I really like Kyle Tucker here. Um you're you're looking at like Third round in 12-teamers, um, you know, at the 2-3 turn in 15-teamers, uh, 
It hit nine home runs, eight steals last year, 268. And, I mean, it looked legit. You know, he cut down his strikeout rate to 20%, came with a 303 BABIP, 43.9% uh, hard hit rate, 9% barrel rate, uh, healthy fly ball rate, 41.7%. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's definitely like 30, 20 potential there. You could be getting, you know, something close to first-round stats um, in the second or third round with Kyle Tucker. So, I mean, he's like someone uh, – I think he's – like if you start with – a pitcher or a shortstop in the first round. I think he's like a perfect second or third round pick. What are your thoughts, Zach? I was never really a big Kyle Tucker guy. I honestly thought he was, not that I thought he was going to be a bust, but I, I think the major thing that was concerning the past two years for him was the playing time. And obviously the Springer move um, out of Houston to Toronto, that really that frees up. I, I mean, he was basically, he played his way into a, a starting gig anyway, but this all but assures that he's going to get all the playing time now whether it's in uh, in center field or right field. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Tucker this year. He brings that stolen base potential that we were talking about. And like George was saying, I think he's a great value. I, I love him in the third round. I mean, if you have to reach for him late second uh, at the turn there, I think that's definitely doable. But I, I just... I really am in on Tucker this year, especially with the with the all but certain playing time that he's going to be getting now. Yeah, and it's funny because I guess I never updated this. And no, and no more Josh Reddick. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's well. He Josh Reddick is like the um, who's the the guy from? Oh, Josh, he's the Josh Fuentes of the Astros. Pat, the Pat Valeka. Pat Valeka of the <laughs> Astros. Both of which yeah. are the pain of the the anybody who's been a long time listener will know how much those two have really frustrated me. And the lineup talk comes back again this year. And guess who gets to get frustrated by, again, Josh Fuentes right now, who is plugged in as a starting first baseman. Oh, my God. You're already getting me started. All right, we're moving on. I don't know how this is happening. The Rockies Ancient don't time with my- I'm getting. I'm going to get a little button that presses it and makes it pop up on the screen. Watch. <laughs> um, the big thing was, yeah, you mentioned it. With Springer, with Springer out, not only does that clear a path at everyday playing time, but it should also give him a, a shot at the top of the lineup as well, which I think is kind of like an under – under He's gonna lead off. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a top three hitter in that lineup. Bregman, uh, you gotta yeah. think what well, Alvarez maybe hits cleanup. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then what? And then Correa, but Correa is like hit or miss. They move him up, move him down. Guriel's kind of toast these days. Altuve is probably Altuve is probably still gonna uh, have Brantley. Oh, yeah, they got Brantley back. Never mind. Tucker might not hit top of the lineup anymore. So, right now on roster resource, yeah, go ahead. Kyle Tucker is locked into the seven hole. Not ideal. I could see that moving up. That's a, that kind of makes time. sense. When I wrote my when I wrote my information on Tucker, there was no Brantley, and and that was kind of a selling point because you have no you had no Brantley, no Springer. I was like, sweet, that kind of gives him a shot to be up there. But you know, Altuve and Bregman are going to be top three. Correa kind of jumps around. I, Alvarez jumps around I a little could bit. See Altuve leading Altuve, Tucker, Bregman as the top three, and have Brantley and Correa mm-hmm. slide down a That's little bit. That's kind of what I was thinking, like. But we'll see. I mean, Brantley isn't known to stay healthy, although he has recently. Cap Correa doesn't usually stay healthy either. Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, we've got a Alvarez lot of guys with questions question there. Health, yeah, it's crazy. But it's crazy that they lost Springer, and this still feels like a very strong lineup. Anyway, we can Much again. We'll move, on. Yeah. we'll move on from here. Um, I forgot the whole point of this is: are we in or are we out? So let's re- let's real quick recap. Uh, Luke Voigt. I know yeah. George is in. Zach, what are your thoughts? In or out? I'm out on Voigt. In or out on Pete Alonso, Zach? What do you think? <laughs> you're out. Okay. Uh, George, you said, you, I remember you saying you were in. You're both in on Pete Alonso. You're in, in at the ADP. I'm, see, okay, so I guess I should speak for myself. I'm out on Voight. I'm out on Alonso. Uh, in or out on Dominic Smith? I'm out. I'm in. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot this is a, a family friendly podcast. 
I wrote the time down. I'm in on Dom. All right. And uh, I'm out on Dominic Smith, too. Um, <laughs> Mondesi. I see my, I call him Mon Don't See. That's what I call him because I count myself. <laughs> Sick dad joke. <laughs> That's why I, I count oh, myself. Um, I don't know. This is what the listeners come, come to listen for, right? Um, what are your thoughts on Mondesi, Zach? Are, are you in or out, I should say? I'm in on Mondesi, but as a top 25 pick, I'm probably out. I, okay. I'm, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it, George. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> you on, so much same, reluctant, like, same so thing. Agree with me. Agree with me. Uh, in or out sounds too much like in and out, and now I want a burger. Oh my God. I've never had in and out. You're, you're missing out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So in on Mondesi and Roto out in other any other format. Yeah, I, I echo your sentiments. I'm, I'm actually more with uh, Zach on this one with the whole just the price is hard for me to to really take Mondesi on, but I get it. I do. I do get it, especially in these formats. Mike Trout, fifth overall pick, actually closer to sixth overall pick. Are you? We're all in on that price, right? Like, do, do, yeah, does, does any of us have Mike Trout? Beyond our sixth pick in any format? No. What was it? I think I no. did a uh, a too early mock a couple, like maybe like a month ago, and Mike Trout fell to me at nine, and I was beyond ecstatic. Pictures, pictures get pushed up a lot in deeper formats too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, five. I'm I'm definitely five and on. I mean, honestly, like three or four and on. I'm very much in. All right, and now we're caught. Oh, no, Kyle Tucker, we're all in on. We're all good with Kyle Tucker. I know that, so we'll skip on yeah. to the next guy because we. Have, I want to get a couple more names in before we get out of here. Uh, Christian Yelich, are you? Let's start with. Are you in or are you? Uh, you know what? No. Why would we start there? We got to figure out some analysis here. Duh. Uh, Christian Yelich, George, thoughts on Christian Yelich? ADP. Sorry, I forgot this part too. ADP of eleven point three seven, fifth outfield off the board. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with his ADP there. Uh, eleven. I mean, you think you look at last year, and it was just such an outlier. Uh, you know, over his track record. You know what we're used to seeing. He hit two hundred five, but he still had plenty of power. Twelve home runs. Uh, still ran a little bit. Four steals. It wasn't the same pace that we're used to seeing him run at, and maybe the knee, uh, the recovery from the knee injury, had a little bit to do with that. But, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a 30% strikeout rate guy. He's not a 259 Babbitt, you know, profile kind of guy. Like, no, I, I think Yelich is perfectly primed for a good bounce back. And um, I'm right in line with, like, his projections of, like, you know, 30-plus home runs. I don't think we see him eclipse, like, 20 to 25 steals anymore. I think it's more of, you know, high teens to maybe 20 steals. We haven't had that in a while. <laughs> yeah. Are you all right, George? <laughs> I, I feel like we need to do we need to do something special anytime we hear like an ambulance by my street. Like we need to be like, oh, you know, stop it right there. We need to do like some fun little segment or something. Have <laughs> we'll be, have to think. It's crazy though because Zach, Zach hasn't been here in a while, and he knows like I have edited them out in the edited these out in the past. However. I have not edited any out lately, Sorry. but um. All right, let's reel this. Let's let's reel this thing back in. <laughs> let's uh, get right. back to Christian Yelich, and yeah, I'm very much in on this price. I know not everyone is completely sold on him. Before I give my thoughts, because you know I always have a lot to give. Zach, you have any quick thoughts on him at all, or what are your thoughts initially? I, I am very much in. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm willing to write off 2020. On a lot of players, and I think Yelich is right up there. I mean, Yelich was a consensus top three pick going into 2020. I don't think that much has changed. I mean, his numbers 
We're still, I, I mean, the counting stats maybe weren't there as much, but um, the hard hit rate was there. Exit Velo was there. I mean, he actually, this was the best hard hit rate he's put up in his entire career. Obviously, a much smaller sample size, but 55% hard hit rate. Um, he's still taking his walks at an, an enormous clip. Um, I'm really not concerned. I think there was just some bad luck in there. And um, I really think if this was a full season, he would have turned it on the second half. And I'm really not concerned. And I think I think that's a phenomenal value. If you're playing in a 12-team league, you could get Yelich and pair it with a starting pitcher at the turn. Even a 15-team league, he's been falling towards the back end there. And you could pair it with a starting pitcher, um, typically an ace. So you can get an ace pitcher along with uh, who I think could end up being a top three, top five outfielder, top five hitter completely next year. So I think it's great value at 12. I agree. And the big thing, my big reason behind his bounce back, the BABIP was just 259. He has a career three, 355 BABIP. The strikeout rate was 30.8%, as I think one of you guys mentioned. That his next highest strikeout rate in his career was his rookie season at 24.2%. And he's a career 21.2% strikeout rate guy. So that was already a huge like weight that's got to come back down. He hit just 169 against right-handed pitching. He has a he's a career 301 hitter against right-handed pitching. And the expected batting average was 45 points higher than his actual. So there was all this in there to suggest positive regression. And he is the hitter he is. I'm all in on Yelich at the back end of the uh, first round for sure. I, I'm willing to take him in the middle. I'll t- I, I'll, I'll reach quote unquote reach on him for sure. I just want to ask you one quick question about Yelich. So you said that strikeout rate was at a career high. I mean, what do you think caused that? Because I mean, his chase rate was what like 17 percent, which was a actually cur- the lowest. Career low. Yeah, he was over. He was overly patient at the plate. I think, and yeah. I, th- I remember. I think I read somewhere that he was one of those that like that did the in-game tape thing and didn't have access to it. So it threw him off guard. It threw him off a little bit. So the, between yeah. that and just a lot of bad luck, a lot yeah. of bad luck. I mean, you just I just mentioned all the things that were just that negatively negatively affected him that should have been better for him. And I think the strikeout rate was just a lot of it being overly patient. If he goes back to being more aggressive, like if you go, my thing is is regress him back. You mentioned you're just writing off 2020. Regress all his his typical plate discipline numbers back to what they are in terms of how often he swings, how often he swings at the first pitch. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Even how much he chases because he's such an elite hitter. You regress that all back to his career norms, and you're probably getting a lot of that stuff fixed in his profile. Yeah, we we saw like you know his walk rate went up tremendously too. I mean, so you see like his swing rate down 11 percent over 2019. So you're right. I mean, he just wasn't very aggressive. If he just goes back to swinging the bat, uh, you know, 40 40 to 45 percent of the time, like his career numbers show, then um, I, I think we just, we get, you know, Yelich coming right back. So he was taking a lot of, uh, a lot of first pitches. That first pitch swing percentage was down to 13%. That's a career low. So yeah, yeah he I'm, was, he was just super patient. It's just so weird because like these numbers they they look fantastic. Like when you're looking at baseball savant or fan graphs, but the counting stats just really don't line up with it. But uh, I really think like George said, it's an outlier year. And I think, I think he'll be fine. 100% on board with that. So we can run through a couple names real quick, at least one name real quick. Uh, Jose Ramirez, ADP of 11.33, right in front of Yelich. First off, who would you take, Yelich or, or Ramirez? I I would take <laughs> Ramirez. Um, I would take Ramirez personally just because, I mean, he's like a unicorn at third base. Like, you're not getting his numbers from anybody else at third base position. I mean, 
you know, 30 home runs and 30 steal potential at third base, uh, I'll take it. And then, I mean, a lot is being made of the lineup uh, and the hitters around him. But, I mean, yeah, if they're going to just put him on base, I mean, just let he's, he's just going to run wild. And who knows? He might even get traded, too. You know, he might be the next one out. Uh, in Cleveland, and so you got to imagine that it, wherever he goes, it would be a better situation. So, I I go I would go with Ramirez. I think I probably would agree. Just kind of the scarcity of the third base position, especially with the stolen base numbers there. I think I like Ramirez there, but uh, I still love Yelich at that spot. But if I had to choose, I'd probably go Ramirez. And just going off of everything that George said, I mean, I really think there's a very good chance that that he gets dealt. Obviously, we talked about earlier in the show the rumors of the deal to Atlanta. I mean, if he got dealt to Atlanta, my goodness, that would be a fantastic landing spot for him. But um, I could definitely see that happening. I think he only has... He's got two more. He, he's a controllable player. I mean, I think he's got club options for 22 and 23 on a very team-friendly deal. Um, so it could be a good time for the Indians to explore trading him. And they also have Nolan Jones in the system kind of ready to go. So I could see a trade happening, which would boost his value a little bit more, even, I think, because like George said, obviously the lineup, it's not great, kind of hurts his value. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to work around him, that'll just boost his stolen base numbers even more. So really not too concerned overall, although I would love to see him maybe in another uniform. I think that would help even more. All right. I'm, I'm on board with that. Jose Ramirez ahead of Yelich still, and we know what we're going to get regardless. Um, another quick hitting guy here, and I, I mean it this time, guys, Jeff McNeil. <laughs> People, like, are you in or are you, are you out? His ADP is 85.12. He's multi-positional eligible, so that's a big selling point for him. But the profile just screams boring. Am I missing something yeah. here, Zach? It's not boring. <laughs> not flashy. It's not fun. It it's is not boring. It's not. It's twenty home runs and three hundred batting average. <laughs> it's not. It's not sexy. Okay. It's, what do you, what's the opposite of sexy? Boring. What is Jeff McNeil? <laughs> boring. Jeff Listen, McNeil is definitely boring. He is a roster you stabilizer. Know you know what? You two are boring. Okay. <laughs> he's not going to hit for. He's not going to hit for the extra power people are hoping for. He's not going to steal a handful of bases. He's going to give you twenty home runs and bat for three hundred. That is I, fine. I don't even think he gives you twenty home runs, and I, I mean, why? <laughs> oh, why not just take Luis Arias? You know, well now he's not guaranteed. Leader. He's not guaranteed the playing time anymore. But why not take David Fletcher? Like there you go. Yeah. Without the home runs. I mean, I would be interested to see like McNeil. Like I actually want to see him swing less. Like I, I think you know it would be interesting oh, yeah, to see the more. results. He swings at a I, lot. Not he just get on base contact, more, but... whether it be foul balls, but he swings a lot. You're right. Right, like he has a ridiculous, like he swing, like he makes contact on everything, but he also swings at everything. So, I mean, him. yeah, it would be nice to see him, you know, maybe be a little bit more selective, um, and maybe try to hit for a little bit more power. But no, I mean, I, I think that we also don't know where he's going to hit in the lineup. He's another ask. one that could move up and down the lineup t- as well. He did so last year. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you're getting. I, I think you're getting maybe 15 home runs and a 280 to 90 average, um, and little, very little speed. Like I, I don't. I, he's five for what? Five for eight in the last two years on on steals. He didn't steal a single base last year. He was caught twice. Stole five the year before. He was caught six times. Yeah, I, I just at this price, um, I'm passing. I'm passing too. But go ahead, Zach. 
I mean, I'm, I'm gonna break. Oh, I'm gonna break it down for you guys real quick here. We don't have time for that. I said real quick. Unlike <laughs> you, the opposite Yo, of the opposite. I haven't of, talked at all. I'm like barely the last two good. players. Shut up. Let me let me let me take this here. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna get a 300 hitter. He's not a 280 hitter, George. Okay. You're gonna get a 300 plus hitter. This is a guy that's gonna compete for batting titles. I think you're looking at a possible. Oh, Dom 20- Smith. What the hell is up with that offense? Excuse Holy me. crap. I'm not done. Excuse me. <laughs> you're looking at a 300 plus hitter here. I think you are looking at a 20 to 25 home run hitter here. Okay. I think last year, he obviously had a slow start. He came on towards the end, hit 356 in September. And then that's where all of his power came from. He had four home runs in September. He started to figure things out towards the end. I think moving him around defensively last year really hurt him. He was playing out of position in left field. Did not look great in left field. He looked horrible at third base. I think with the Cano suspension, McNeil is going to be primarily at second base this year. His best position, I think that's going to help him with his confidence and at the plate. I think batting, he's going to bat at the top of this lineup. I don't think there is any question. I know you guys are like, man, maybe he'll be down six or seven. I think... From the start of the season, you're going to see him, I would guess, in the two-hole. I think he's going to bat leadoff or second, depending on what happens with the outfield situation. He's going to bat at the top. He's going to bat in front of Lindor. He's going to bat in front of Alonzo and Dom. I think you're going to see a ton of runs from McNeil. Um, I think you're also going to see maybe like five stolen bases filtered in there. He's not the best base dealer, not the most efficient, but for fantasy purposes, I think you'll see maybe like five stolen bases in there. We saw his walk rate increased about 3%. His K rate dropped 2% to 11%, which is in the top 2% of the league. Like it was, doesn't matter, though. It doesn't. <laughs> there it is. I was waiting. I was waiting. I'm just telling you, I think you are getting a 300-plus hitter. I think there's 20 to 25 home runs in there. He's been working. He's posted some Instagram videos. He's trying to work on his power. He definitely looks like he's working on that launch angle, which needs to be raised a little bit. I think you're a 300-hitter, 100 runs. And 20 to 25 home runs, and he's eligible at second base, third base, outfield, and I tried to keep that as quick as possible, and I'm done. <laughs> now, okay, I, I think I'm looking at his lineup positions, and other than I think he was obviously platooning. I'm guessing against lefties, he moved down the lineup. They yeah. dropped him down uh-huh. towards the end last year. I'm looking, yeah, he he was sitting around, yeah, he was sitting in that seven hole often, in the occasional two hole, and leading off here and there when Nimmo was out. So yeah. I don't believe that they're just going to suddenly say, hey, everything's good. You can start hitting second when they have Conforto. They have Dominic Smith. They have all these guys that can just be good on base players. They don't need to put uh, – They're they not two-hitters, though. They drive in yeah. the two-hitter. Man, do you can... not know the modern-day two-hitter guy? Like, come on, man. I mean, he can my... hit 300. Yes. Or he can hit 20 home runs. I don't think he's doing both. And if he is working on that launch angle with his power or lack thereof – and if he starts hitting more fly balls, like you're going to see that Babip drop too. When you said that, that reminds me. God, I'm such a freaking Mets fan. It's ridiculous. That reminded me of Daniel Murphy in like prior to the 2015 breakout year when Daniel Murphy was just trying to lift the ball and every ball he would pull out to right field and it would look like a home run and then it was just a routine fly ball to the right fielder. So I could see that with McNeil, but. I don't know. I, I feel like there is some pop in there. We've seen him go on some stretches where he can ha- add some power to his game. So I think it's possible. I think there is 20 to 25 max home run potential in there, but it might it might cause the average to drop a little bit, like you said. So are we? Are you? Are you got that system? Are you good? So is it to wrap it up? 
I'm in on Jeff McNeil. <laughs> okay, and in order to get us, because we had 12 names on this list, I'm, I want to get us a solid 10. We can get out of here. So we're going to go a little over an hour, and I want to hear um, Josh Bell. Who wants to talk about Josh Bell? Anybody? Takers? I, I've been the Josh Bell guy in the past. George has been the Josh Bell guy in the past. Is there I'll, anybody who's a Josh Bell guy this year? I'll Traded, to, in. traded I'll, to the Nationals, change of scenery. I actually love the change of scenery. So what ADP is what one sixty two right and now, and he's the 17th first baseman off the board. God, I I actually really really like that spot. I mean, guys going in front of him, you got you got Eric Hosmer. I would take Josh Bell over Eric Hosmer. I would take him over Mountcastle. Uh, guys going after him, Cronworth Hoskins. I would take Josh Bell over all those guys personally. Um, I think, like you said, Mike, I think the change of scenery will do him very well. Batting um, sandwich, probably sandwich in between Soto and Schwarber, I think, right now. And then Turner in front of him as well. Um, he's moving to an instant contender. I mean, he was playing for Pittsburgh in a very odd year last year. I mean, like, why bother? Like, do you really think he had the motivation to have a career year? Like, I really don't think he was all that into the season last year. They really had nothing to play for. So he's another one of the guys that I'm confident in just saying, you know what, maybe I'll just kind of write off 2020 for him. But he's going to have plenty of RBI opportunities uh, in that lineup. Um, I mean, the numbers really, they weren't great last year. I think we can all agree to that. We saw... They haven't, been great. they haven't been great since the second half of 2019. Yeah, that second half of 2019 really hurt him. But we saw what he's capable of in that first half. I really just think that this change of scenery and being in this lineup, it's just really going to do him wonders over there. And at that price, I mean, what? He was probably, what, like a top 10 to 12 first baseman going into 2020, I would say. Um, dropping down to 17. I mean, he, he was in the top 10 discussion. Um, but I think being the 17th first baseman off the board, I think he's definitely worth that price. And he's, I'll take a shot hey, on him. I'm, I'm I, in on that price. <laughs> I had Josh Bell as my number four or five first baseman. Oh my god! Into Going into 20. Jesus. Yeah, I had him. I had like I had him as like a top five. I think I was the one that was like I had him around 10 or so. I think I was pretty like pessimistic because I, I remember being in and then being really out. But yeah. So George, yeah, you were I mean, so I in on him. So how do you feel about him now then? No, I, I definitely like the landing spot a ton. I mean, he definitely seems like someone who just needed a change of scenery. Uh, he gets a bit of an upgrade uh, in the park. And, I mean, are gonna have now... To to him. That's a plus. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be hitting around, you know, Juan Soto and um, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Starlin Castro. Uh, so, I mean, the lineup's definitely better. The one thing I will... I am a little concerned about is if there is no DH... Um, First of all, like his liability at first base uh, defensively, and they did re-sign um, Ryan Zimmerman. So I mean, <laughs> Josh Bell, Josh Bell. I mean, he is he, Josh Bell is a two thirty two hitter, career hitter against lefties. Zimmerman has always just com- crushed lefties. Can maybe they'll give Bell uh, a day off here and there against lefties uh, to let Zimmerman get in the lineup. Uh, but I mean, other than that, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not really too sure. I, I definitely like him at his price, so I would say that I'm in. I think it's gonna. I think Zimmerman will platoon with whoever struggling Morgan's left these between Schwarber and Bell. Like that's what you're gonna see. You're gonna see Zimmerman getting the playing time probably more than we think because of those two against lefties because they're not the greatest. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm Zimmerman's like a three seventy career hitter against lefties. I just gotta see Bell. Man, I gotta see how he feels in the spring, how he's doing. Just I, I, I think I heard he wants to work. I think he's working on something because he. 
was like out like he wasn't really his mechanics were off or something i think i, I was reading so i'll be watching for that just to see his level of comfort see how he's performing in the new park the new everything this year but i'm torn i'm not, i don't really have an answer i think i'm in right now at his cost i think question mark so yeah like, i think I, the most important question mike is are you still going to continue to use the pittsburgh pirates gif of josh bell pumping his chest or are you going to retire that now that he's a national but that was like my first ever gift i still use it i still use it but it's a good one i like it but and yeah, I like Simeon that, hates I like it, that so Simeon like, gets really pissed off from it. <laughs> so I just keep using it. I purposely drop it on everything I'm tagging with him now. Um, and because of that, I think it has to stay. Like, naturally, it just has to stay now. Or Photoshop a Nationals uniform on there. I'm, see, it's funny because like, I know how to work technology, but like, at the same time, I don't. Like, <laughs> I can't do that stuff. But it's weird because I can make all these cool things sometimes. All right, no one cares about that. Let's <laughs> wrap this up. Gentlemen, it's been fun catching up with you guys. Appreciate you guys joining me. You can follow everybody on Twitter. Zach is at BrafZ. George is at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Hit us up with a five-star rating review on your way out. We greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, until next time, we'll just talk to you soon.